Hi, I'm Joaquin Evans, co-senior leader of Bethel Austin. I pray that Jesus ministers to you through today's message and that you are blessed deeply. If you're encouraged, please like and subscribe so you can stay up to date with all of our weekly sermons. Enjoy the message. By the way, somebody left their sock on the stage over there, so I, I don't know what's going on with that, but just noticed that coming up there. That was really good. I tell you what, those, those little cute slogans Chad has have power, so uh, I listen when he has a slogan now, <laughs> because I don't know if anyone else totally believed the Debt Free by 23. I mean, we did, but we were really stretching it, but Chad actually, actually believed it. And uh, it actually happened, guys. Like, I mean, it did. And it was a, yeah, let's thank the Lord. It was a, it was a huge amount. So I would encourage you, lean into his slogan, into those slogans. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Yeah. And I, I don't know, where is Chad? There you are. He really is a man of generosity. I've watched his life. And thank you, Chad, for how you've inspired generosity in everybody that you're around. And not just with finances. I've watched him be generous in other ways. And it's, it's really been a blessing to be around you and to continue that relationship. So, yeah, we're thankful for you. Um, all right. Well, y'all gave me plenty of time. I, I didn't think I was going to have that much time this morning. So I don't know. We might do. I, don't, I didn't even bring any jokes because I didn't think I'd have any time. So I don't know. Look, my, uh, my 2024, 20, uh, I want to go beyond dad jokes. Like, I want to go to the next level of joke, right? I want, yeah, maybe we'll do a Friday night and we'll just see what I can do. I, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I don't, <laughs> that was a good joke, all right, so... Another dose of the Holy Ghost, yeah. I like it. Well, <clears throat> it's a privilege to, to have the opportunity to, to share with you guys this morning. And um, I loved our worship set. Didn't you, didn't you guys love? There was a lot about Jesus in our worship set. There was a lot about adoring Jesus. There was a lot about worshiping him. There was a lot about his glory um, there was a lot uh, in that worship set. There was a lot of incredible theology that was coming out of that worship set. Amen? I love songs that have incredible theology that bring us into our thoughts about God. And there was a lot there this morning. And I want to talk this morning about, a little bit about Jesus. I want to talk about being in proximity to Jesus. And the Apostle Paul, the, the center of gravity for the Apostle Paul, who is, he literally is my favorite apostle. He, he was really an amazing man, and I'm fascinated. I try to study something about Paul every week because I just think what he brought was so, so powerful. But the center of gravity for Paul was the gospel itself. And Paul saw that the gospel held everything else in its proper orbit. And everything that Paul said or wrote was shaped by the gospel. He was breathing and living and proclaiming the gospel. And he didn't see the gospel 
as an add-on to everything else. See, I think the danger that we live in is, the the, a dangerous thing is that we see the gospel as, as a component or an add-on to our life instead of it being the everything of our life. Amen? And sometimes we want it to work in our life, but it's just an add-on. It's just the one, it's that one thing that we do on Sunday morning or that one thing that we do once a month or whatever that is, um, and we pray you know, at the dinner table and we do those different things, but it's more just, it's just like an add-on as opposed to our everything. God wants to bring us to the place where we begin to understand that the gospel should consume our lives. And Paul was such a great example of that. Everything in his worldview came out of the gospel. Don't let anything else form your worldview that's not the gospel. As believers, as followers of Jesus, it is the gospel that should determine how we see the world, period. Amen? And um, Romans 1.16 says that the gospel is the power for salvation. 1 Peter 3.18 says that the gospel is what brings us to God. And so we understand the gospel, the good news of what Jesus did, that he died on the cross for our sins, and that he's wiped, and we can receive that and wipe our sins away, just in a very small way to say that. But we need to understand this about the gospel. It's not just a philosophy. It's not just a story. It is, Jesus is at the very center of the gospel. Everything flows out from Jesus through what he did at the cross to us. So Jesus is at the very center of the gospel. You cannot separate Jesus from the good news. He is the good news, and I think it's really important to understand that because the gospel can become about something else if we're not careful in the way that we think other than about Jesus, but it is about Jesus. He's at the very center of it, and I think sometimes we think when we hear the word gospel, we kind of box it into uh, the evangelism component of our faith. Like, I'm gonna go share the gospel, which is true. But the gospel is not just boxed in to evangelism. It's not just boxed into that moment we got saved. The gospel is operating and working every single day in our lives. It's working right now. It's working in this service. Someone gets healed in this building. That is the gospel at work. That is, that is the finished work of Jesus at the cross being extended out into us today, 2,000 years later, amen? Whatever blessing flows, that is the work of the gospel, the fruit of the Holy Spirit working in your life. If you maybe weren't a kind person and now you're a kind person, that's the gospel working in your life. If you were a fearful person but you are no longer afraid, that is the gospel that is working in your life, amen? If you, were, if you were walking in despair and you were picked up out of that, that is the gospel of Jesus Christ, Jesus at the very center that is working inside of your life. Let's give him praise for it, amen? Amen, praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. So the gospel does, never stops working. And if you look in the word, there's different ways that the gospel was defined um, there's some different statements about it. I just kind of want to go through. But the gospel is, is listed in Romans 15 and 1 Corinthians. It's, there's a statement that it is the gospel of Christ, which I just talked about. 
And you can get even more specific in 2 Corinthians 4, 4. It's the gospel of the glory of Christ. So we're going a little further. And then even more amazing is what Paul said about the preaching of the gospel. He, he said that it is the unsearchable riches of Christ in Ephesians. And so Paul called the preaching of the gospel the preaching of the unsearchable riches of Christ. And so Jesus at the center of the gospel is bringing us these unsearchable spiritual riches. And let me just say this morning, those unsearchable uh, spiritual riches are directed towards you and me. Amen. They are directed towards us. God is not withholding those spiritual heavenly riches from, from his people. And it is the gospel that is the preaching of those unsearchable riches. So this morning, I am preaching about the unsearchable riches that are found only in Jesus. We can try to find wealth in other places, but it will never satisfy. Because the only wealth that ever satisfied is that wealth that comes through Jesus. Even his blessings that he pours out are not enough. It is only him that can truly satisfy the thirst that is in us. And I am so thankful for all the blessings God has surrounded me with in my life. They are from him. But the only thing that will satisfy the thirst of my heart is Jesus himself. Amen. And that's why some people, you've got blessings flowing, but there's something sometimes that seems like it's missing. And I'll tell you, if you're not, press, if you're not, if you're not moving into proximity of Jesus and growing in your relationship, you won't be satisfied. And the flip side is maybe there's some things that haven't happened that you're believing God for yet, but I want, and, and that's pretty difficult, or maybe you find yourself in a difficult circumstance that's, that's something that you're going through, a trial. If you've got Jesus, you can walk through that trial, and you can be satisfied with your relationship with God, even though that hasn't worked its way out yet. Amen? All right. Colossians talks about Jesus, and I preached a, a sermon about this um, a few months back, but in Colossians 1, 15 through 22, you, be, you begin to get this description of Jesus, and it says that, that one, he is the image of the invisible God, that he is the firstborn of all creation, that he is the creator of all creation, that Jesus is the sustainer of creation. This room would blow apart if Jesus wasn't holding it together. He's the sustainer of creation. He holds all things together. He is holding the planets. He is holding this universe. He's holding it all together. He's the sustainer of it all. He is also, it says, he's the beginning of the church. The church started with Jesus, and I want to tell you, it'll end with him as well. He's the firstborn from the dead, and he is the head of the church. Amen. Look, don't say negative things about church. Even if there are flaws, right? Don't, don't do it because guess who's the head of the church? Jesus is the head of the church. I, I, I want to be really careful with how I view the church, even with all its flaws, one thing I found is, you know, when you look in the Word, I think there's 33, around 30 uh, 
churches that are mentioned in the New Testament. And what I have learned in my deep study of the word, and I love to study it, is they had some problems. All of them had a lot of problems. I am not kidding, guys. They, they had bigger problems than I see at Bethel Austin, right? I mean, they, they did things that they shouldn't do. They, all kinds of stuff was going on, but they were the church of Jesus Christ. They were his church. He is the head of the church, and so we need to really be careful in how we treat it. Amen. Um, and it goes on in that passage in 18 that says that in everything he might be preeminent. For all in, in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. So that word means this, and I, I spoke about this a couple months ago, but that means preeminent means to surpass all. So Jesus surpasses all. He's preeminent over everything. There is nothing that is above him. He is over all things. He surpasses everything. Amen. And I said this as well, and I want to hit this again. Jesus is not our mascot. It just feels good every time I say that. He's not our mascot. We don't just trot Jesus out. Yeah, Jesus. No, Jesus is the head. Amen? He's the head. He's not just the, you know, the, well, we had a mascot up here earlier. I don't know what was going on with that. But he's not just the guy in the suit running around, you know, like having fun, doing fun stuff. Hey, I like mascots, but Jesus is not one. So Jesus is not what? Let's have some conviction in here. Jesus is not what? All right, that's better. I'm gonna, I'm gonna include you in this next part, all right? So other ways that Paul described Jesus. Are you ready? Because I've got a list. Everything is under his feet. Paul described him as above and beyond. He described him as the fullness of the Godhead. Jesus is not what? Okay, now... When I do that, you gotta, go, you gotta take it a little further, all right? Jesus is not what? Okay, that's better. Doesn't that feel good to say that? Paul also said that uh, he talked about his surpassing glory, that his, his glory would surpass all. He talked about that every spiritual blessing comes through Christ. He also said that he is above all rule in all authority. There is no authority. There is no rule that is over Jesus. I don't care how big it looks. There are none that are over Jesus. All rule and all authority is under the feet of Jesus. Amen? Jesus is not what? Okay, y'all are getting better at it. Somebody over here, I liked your enthusiasm. Paul also said that Jesus has the power to bring everything into subjection in himself. He has the ability to bring everything under subjection. There's nothing that can, can, can escape being subjected to him. He also said that all things, all things are summed up in Christ. 
all things are summed up. The summation of everything is in Christ. If you want to know what the summary of everything, the summation, the, the everything coming together, it is in Christ, period. Amen? It, he also said, him who fills all in all. So not only is he the summation of all things, he's the one that fills all in all. He fills everything. Also calls him the chief cornerstone. Jesus is not what? He's the chief cornerstone. You know the cornerstone, you know why the cornerstone is so important? Because the cornerstone determines the the entire building or the entire wall, if, you have, if the cornerstone is off, if it's not level, if it's not set right, then the, corner, then the entire thing is gonna be off. And the further you build away, in, in that, if that cornerstone is not what it's supposed to be, the whole building is gonna be crooked or it's gonna be off balance. And so the cornerstone has to be Jesus in your life, period. He is the chief cornerstone. Make sure that he's the chief cornerstone in your life because if you're trying to build and you're not building on that cornerstone, when you get to the end of it, you're gonna have a building that doesn't work right. Amen? It's gonna be off. It's gonna be, it's, it's not gonna work. And so Jesus is the chief cornerstone. He also says that through Jesus, the glory throughout, all the glory is in him throughout the generations. And I love this one. He said, Paul said that Jesus brought life and immortality to light. So Jesus brought life and immortality to light. It says that every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. Whether they want to or not, every tongue will confess at some point that Jesus is Lord. Amen. Jesus said this about himself. He said, I'm the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. He said that I am the way, the truth, and the life. He said that I am the true vine, and he said that I am the I am. He said, I am that I am. Amen. That is Jesus. He is no mascot. He is the I am. I think that's the most definitive statement that he ever made. And it's what the statement that enraged so many people when he walked the earth is when he declared that he was the I am. That's when things got really, really rough for him. Because he declared, he's standing in that place saying, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He is the I am. Other ways he's described is the king of kings, the Lord of lords, the bright and morning star. He's described as the word. He's described as the mediator. He is described as the redeemer. He is described as the reconciler. John the Baptist said, there is one who baptizes with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Amen. Now, I know in this room, we understand the baptism of the Holy Spirit, but have you ever, have you ever experienced the baptism of fire? I, yeah, so I, I had an experience with the baptism of fire, and I feel, I feel it when I start talking about it. So I've been baptized in the Holy Spirit 
for many, many years. This is way back. And I began to hear someone, begin, they began to talk about the baptism in the fire. And I was like, wow, that sounds pretty good. I was like, I, I don't know if I've gotten that yet. And so I, I started to lean into it. And I want to say something. If you hear something like baptism in the Holy Spirit, baptism in fire, you know what? You can start to lean into it. There's something you go, man, I, I, I want that in my life. I want the baptism of fire. Well, I didn't know what was going to happen next. I'm not so sure I would have been. Well, anyway, because I began to experience the fire of God like on me, like I mean on me, the purifying, like the purifying fire of God began to just shake me and shake me and it began to happen week after week. So we, if we had a service like this, I would have I been up here at the front before the service on my face and I, when, when this service ended, I would still be up here on my face with the fire of God coming down on me with like a pool of tears and sweat, like just the fire of God, like just coming down on me, purifying me, ta- taking things out of me. And God, God would bring that fire and it was like bringing all the stuff up. And then he would just like scoop up all the, all the stuff. And then the next week he would do it again. And I was getting freer and freer and freer as the fire of God began to touch my life. So there's a baptism of the fire of God, of that refining fire that then allows you to release fire. Amen? And so I want to encourage you to lean in. If, you don't, if you've never received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, begin to step towards it. And don't be discouraged if it just doesn't happen immediately the way you think, but begin to step in. If you're hearing this morning, I want fire in my life, step into it. Begin to step towards it. Amen? Because Jesus is the one that baptizes us with fire, and we need fire to walk in this earth the way that he's called us to walk in. We need the fire of God. Amen? We need the fire. All right. Thank you, Lord. Yeah, thank you, Lord. We're going to keep talking about that. We're going to keep releasing that. Thank you, Lord. So Jesus is not what? (laughs) Yeah. After Jesus' death, y'all stay in that. Just cook. (laughs) Right? Just cook in it. If you're starting to cook, just cook. It's fine. After the death of Jesus and after he was resurrected, but before everyone, most people knew about it, he began to appear to different people. And, he, and they were in a place of despair, discouragement. I mean, if you think about it, these people had followed Jesus, they had seen what he had done, and then he's crucified on a cross and he's dead. He's dead. He's gone. And so all the hopes and all the dreams and all the things that he said, and there was a, you can read, there's just a lot of, there seemed to be a lot of confusion and a lot of despair and a lot of discouragement. Like what happened here? We just, we just walked with Jesus these years and what has happened? And they're scattered all over the place. Many are scattered in fear and in different ways. And, um, 
And so they're disillusioned. They're in this place. But he begins to appear to different people. And there's a description in Luke 24. And you can turn there. And it's, we're going to look, well, we're going to look at uh, starting in verse 30. But I want to give you a little bit of a backstory here. Because Jesus, there's, there's two guys. They're walking along. And um, he blocks, this is interesting, he blocks their ability to actually know who he is. So they, they're like, they don't know who he is. Now I call this like, this is like the show Undercover Boss, right? <laughs> so Jesus is like walking along with them and they, they don't have any idea who he is and he starts talking to them and, um, and they're really sadly telling him, they're telling Jesus what happened to Jesus. They're like, Jesus, he got crucified, and now he's dead, you know, and like, this is Jesus that they're talking to. I love that show, by the way. Anyway, I think it's great. And uh, they, here's what they said to him. They said, are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know these things that have happened there in these days? They're talking to Jesus. It happened to him, yet... They're like, hey, you know, have you not heard about this? And then they describe how there were some women in their company who had gone to the tomb and that Jesus wasn't there and that there was an angel there that said that he was alive. And so he, they, he talk, then they talk about how some of the guys that were with them went to the tomb. They didn't see him in the tomb, but there was, no, there was no, nothing there. Like there was no angel there. So they were just in this place of disillusionment. But it picks up in this passage in verse 30 and he goes and eats with them. It says, when he was at the table with them, he took the bread and blessed and broke it and gave it to them. And their eyes were opened and they recognized him and he vanished from their sight. And they said to each other, did not our hearts burn within us while, we, while he talked to us on the road? While he opened to us the scripture and they rose the same hour and returned to Jerusalem and they found the 11 and those who were with them gathered saying, the Lord has risen indeed and he has appeared to Simon. Then they told what had happened on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of bread. And I love that passage. It's one of my favorite things. So they didn't know who he was, but they recognized something was happening inside of them. There was a burning. There was a fire as they were close to Jesus. Even though he didn't let them know who he was, they could feel that fire that was coming from Jesus, and it was burning inside of their heart. Amen? John Wesley, the great revivalist, when he encountered Jesus for the, for the first time, I love it. He says that he, I felt my heart strangely warmed. And Charles Finney, um, <clears throat> there's, when you read about his baptism in the Holy Spirit, I love, and some of you have read that, but I love it. I'm going to just read a little short excerpt of that. He said, I soon fell asleep, but almost as soon as I awoke again, on account of the great flow of the love of God that was in my heart, I was so filled with love that I could not sleep. Soon I fell asleep again, and I awoke in the same manner. When I awoke, the temptation would return upon me, and the love that seemed to be in my heart would abate. But as soon as I was asleep, it was so warm within me that I would immediately awake. Thus I continued till late at night. The proximity to the fire will create a warmth and a burning inside of you. Amen? And the fire is Jesus. The proximity to Jesus is what sets our heart ablaze. And I love this passage because this happens 
when he, is, when he was at the table with them. And I want to say this morning that Jesus wants to be at your table. This happened when he broke bread with them. And I want to make the statement that you can be at church and still have distance between you and Jesus. You can do all the church stuff. You can get involved in all the stuff, but you can still be distant from Jesus. He can be in your life, but he's not at your table. He can be in your house, but he's not pulled up to your table. You're not breaking bread with him. You're not developing your relationship with him. You go to church, you do the things, and guys, I want to say this. This is easy to do if you're even in ministry. Amen? There are seasons where it's like, oh, I'm not, I'm not, I, 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 Jesus is not my table like, like I, I want him to be. Because I'm being distracted and I'm going a million directions and I'm not taking the time to develop my relationship with him and be close to that fire. And so there can be a distance. I, I read, uh, I was reading a, an article and there was this study that was done or it was a book and they didn't really reference the study but when I read it, it resonated with me and it talked about it that in the, they did this big study and they determined that most sermons across America were about daily survival issues opposed to Christ's kingdom. And there's nothing wrong with some of those, but it seemed like that if that's, if that's mainly what we're getting, then, then we're, we're in trouble. And the true message of the gospel is this. It's to pursue Christ for who he is. And I want you to hear this again. It's to pursue Christ, not for what he can give you, but for who he is. Amen. And, and make a greater revelation of him your primary purpose. If you want to know what your, if you're wondering what your purpose in life should be, your primary purpose in life is to have a greater revelation of Jesus Christ. Amen. And to pursue him for simply for who he is, to pursue a relationship with him for who he is. I mean, who wants a relationship with someone just because what they can do for us? And believe me, God does a lot of stuff for us and can, but I don't want it to be just what comes from his hand. I want to be someone who looks into his face. Amen? That's how I want to live my life. Is Jesus your prize? Is he your treasure? Is he the thing that you want the most in your life? Is he the thing? Is knowing him, is knowing Jesus what you want the most in life? And I, look, we should all ask ourselves every day this question. Is today, is that what I'm walking in today? Is that my primary purpose? Is that what I'm looking for today? Every single day we should ask ourselves about that. Church can be about so many things, but it's really only about one thing. It's only about one. It's only about Jesus. You know, sometimes I catch myself, I'll be like, worship was so good. It's always good. Amen? Now, I get it. Like, sometimes I, I get all that. But I catch myself, I'm like, wait, it's always good to worship Jesus. Amen? And yes, there are, sometimes we connect at greater levels, but God wants to release a fire inside of us. Jesus is our identity. He is our destiny. He is our future. Sin was my identity, and self was my destiny. But now, in Christ, my identity and destiny is 
and my future is him. And I tell you what, I want to know him more. I want to know him more. If he's my future, I mean, he is our now, but if he's my future, then I want to make sure that I'm, I'm leaning into that future because my future is way more important than my now in many ways. My eternity is way more important than my now. And so understanding Christ is our future allows us to aim the right direction. It allows us to walk in the right way. And so why don't we stand up? I don't, could the worship team, could some of y'all come back up here for a moment? If you, if you find yourself dull, bored, in despair, hopeless, disappointed, or maybe you're on cruise control, or maybe even things like your relationship, like you've got Jesus is at your table, but you want more. If you want to burn more, if you want to get into closer proximity to him, I want you in your heart this morning to make a new determination that you are going to push aside the things that distract. Push aside sin that so easily can entangle us. Push aside those disappointments and the disillusionment and the, th and the circumstantial things that are happening around you and say, you know what? I want to burn. I want to burn. I want to, my heart to be set ablaze. I don't want my heart to be cold. I don't want to just be on cruise control. I don't want to just show up for church every Sunday morning, but my heart is not on fire. I don't want to just do, I don't want to just be in the kingdom and do my duty. I want my heart to be set ablaze with a, with a love for Jesus. Amen. I want a fire. I want the baptism of fire fresh in my life. I want the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I want to be empowered, and I want my heart to burn for him. I want to be my life to be driven by that passion, not by myself, not by my old identity, not by anything else but Jesus Christ and him alone. Amen? Not even by my successes. I don't want my successes to be the driver of my life. I want Jesus to be the driver of my life. Amen? Thank you, Jesus. We thank you this morning. We thank you that you are the, the fire, that you are the fire, that you are the fire. And I thank you this morning that you cause us to burn. God, I ask that this morning for Bethel Austin, God, that we would burn, God, with passion for you, that we would burn with a love for you, God, that all the things that need to be removed would be removed, that all the things as we go into 2024 that are hindrances, that they would be burned away in Jesus' name, and that our love and our passion for you would burn, that you would be our primary that you would be our primary, that you would be the one that we love, that we adore, that we exalt in this place this morning. We love you, Jesus. We love you. We love you. We love you. And if you want to begin to respond in some way, if you want to come to the front, just come to the front and just begin to set up here and say, God, I am here. I am here. Just go ahead and come right now. I am here. I want more fire in my life. Just take a step out. 
If you are hungry for more fire, if you want more fire, don't come up here to meet with me. Come up here to meet with Jesus right now. God is in this room. The Holy Spirit is willing to pour out on you more than you can conceive. If you will say, Jesus, I want you. So if that's in your heart, just come. Just come as an act of faith. Come as a, as a declaration that I'm not going to stay in the place that I am in, but I am going to step into something more. You, sometimes you just have to lean into what God is saying, and when you lean in, God will meet with you. So what do you want this morning? What do you desire more than anything else? Even this morning as you're coming, say, Jesus, show me. Show me where there's anything else in my life that I desire more than you. And just get honest before him. Holy Spirit, we invite you to come and bring the fire. Bring that fire. Baptize us, Jesus, in fire this morning. Baptize us in fire this morning. Baptize us in the fire of your spirit. Just, just verbally, if everyone to, could just say that. Jesus, baptize me in fire. drawing closer.
just begin to cry out to him Jesus come to my table just all together Jesus come to my table Jesus let your fire let your fire come upon me come upon my home Jesus 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 don't don't be silent right now part of that leaning in is sometimes just verbalizing beginning to invite Jesus come Jesus come closer to Bethel Austin come closer than we've ever known you more of your presence God because one one day is better in your house than thousand elsewhere God one day God you are the one we seek you are the one that we desire oh God you are the one that we want God we don't want just church God we don't want just a nice community God God we want you God we want your presence we want your fire we want your Holy Spirit God to move among us and to cause us to love Jesus more God we want you we desire you we want you Lord Bethel Austin God we want you we want you you are the one that we seek you are the one that we want you are the primary you are the primary reason that we are here you are the primary person that we exist you are the primary you are the one you are what we desire let's just lift that up a little more lift your voice up a little more God is listening to us right now he is hearing us right now and it's not how loud but there is something about an intensity that comes out of us as we cry out to him God we want you we desire you you are the one you are the one that we need you are the one that we want you are the one that we desire we desire just to know you for who you are for you for you we want a relationship with you as a church we want a deeper deeper wider relationship with you we want to know you more that you would burn inside of our hearts that you would burn inside of our families God that you would burn in us we desire you we want you we need you Jesus we need you Jesus we desire you Jesus we desire you we desire you, Jesus. We want you, Jesus. We want to know you more. We want to know you more. We want to know your glory. We want to know your glory. We want to know your presence, God. We don't want God just to come to church. God, we don't want to just walk through this life, God. We, God, we want to know your presence. God, we desire your presence. We desire you. You are above all others, and we want you, God. We want you, God. We want you, God. God, we repent, God, where we have looked at other things and wanted other things and desired other things, God. God, that the beauty of this, the things that are in this world that have enamored us, God, we don't want those. We want you, Jesus. We want you, God. We want you. We desire you, Jesus. We want you, God, that our eyes would not be on anything else, that our hearts would not be on anything else, God. Even the good things, God, we just want you, Jesus. God, that we would not desire the blessings 
give more than we desire you, that we would not desire what your hand can give us. God, we are thankful for it. But God, we don't want it to take the place of you, God. We want you, Jesus. Look, guys, don't be afraid just to get vulnerable in your conversation with him right now. Don't, don't be afraid to let a cry come up out of your heart. Just let it loose right now. Don't be afraid. If it's a groaning that's too deep for words to come out of your heart, if there's a longing inside of you, you need to let it out. Don't worry about the person next to you. You let it out. Right now, God is here to meet with you. God, we desire you. We want you. Oh, Jesus. I just want, I feel like God wants to release one more wave through us. And I just want to, I want to begin to cry out to him again. Just begin to let your cry for more of him. Just let it begin. Begin to just come up before him. For, for you personally, for us as a church, to let that cry come up to let the intensity, let the Holy Spirit flow through you right now. This is something that's even beyond our ability, but there's a cry, there's a groaning of the Spirit for more of Jesus that He puts inside of us. Don't hold it back. Don't step it down. Don't let your personality stop it. Don't let anything stop it, but let your cry go up before the Lord. Just humble yourself right now. Humble yourself and let that cry go forth. God, we cry out to you, God. We long for you, God. We desire you. God, we need you, Jesus. We need you. We need you. We don't have enough of you. We don't have enough. We want more of you. We want more of you, Jesus. We want more. We want more. We want more of you, Jesus. In 2024, we want more of you, Jesus. We want more of you, Jesus. We desire more of you. We want more of your presence, God. We want more of your life. We want more of your fire to be on us. We want more passion that we would love you and love others. We want more, Jesus. 
we want more we want more and if all you can do is just say Jesus I want more I want more I want more I want more of you I want more of you I want more of your life in me I want more of you I want to know you more I want to sit with you I want to commune in your presence I want your word to wash over me I want to know you in all your glory and all your splendor and all your might and all your power and all your love and all your peace and all your joy I want to know you I want to know you Jesus I want to know you Jesus Holy Spirit I pray I ask that you would move in our hearts in a way move in our hearts like we've never seen before show us Jesus show us Jesus show us the Son show us the Son show us the Son open up our eyes to see give us revelation knowledge in Jesus Christ give us the revelation 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 of Jesus oh 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 revelation of the Son of the glorious one Jesus revelation of the first and the last the Alpha and the Omega the beginning and the end revelation of the only one that is worthy to open the book Jesus Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit BethelATX.com.